Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to this week's episode of The Neuro Show, your home of unfiltered cycling chat. In today's episode, SRAM Rival opening new horizons in good value bikes. Everyone's got an opinion on Netflix? Well, not us. We're going to talk about YouTube. Aqua Blue Pro Cycling, a team from 2017 that was years ahead of its time with its equipment. Gilets are dead, arm warmers look like shit, and winter bib shorts. What the hell are they? Alrighty, let's get into it. Deals, deals, deals. Deals. I don't know. This this seems to have popped up in conversation a couple of times. I know GC referenced it on our chat and I think on one of his own videos as well. Something about, I don't know, stock being an issue. He's always banging on about the industry and levels and shops and this and that, isn't he? Yeah. But the result of that, he seemed to be suggesting, was that there were going to be some deals around. So I think there's potentially some truth in this, Jesse. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Why don't we go shopping? All right, let's go. Go shopping. Yeah. All right. Do you want to do you want to take us into into some retail? To start us off. Uh, you, you sent me one here uh, on Pushy's giant TCR two disc. Looked like a pretty good deal. Two thousand seven hundred Aussie, just bog standard TCR with one hundred five. But that that retail price was was three five. So yeah, they've taken eight hundred bucks off the price. But that got me, that moved me into then. I was thinking, looking at that, and I was kind of going, well, will I buy this as a bike? No, I still don't, I still don't like it. Discount's there, and that's kind of what we're seeing, aren't we? What, 15 to yep. sort of 25 off? Yep. Um, but as a deal, I don't really like that bike. Crappy wheels. Mm, it just doesn't do it for me. There's not, there's not, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of ways you can go with that. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. looking at that price, I'm still going, oh, secondhand marketplace. If you're in the two to three grand, you're probably going to get something with electronic shifting. So good deal. And that moved me on to then, I went on 99 bikes and I've, I've, I've kind of had a, had a eye-opening moment <laughs> here with these, with these, yeah. with, with these, with these, with these Maritas that are doing the SRAM rival group set. Mm, yeah. Okay. So the SRAM rival group set, firstly, electronic shifting, great mm. for beginners. It's super easy. Don't need to think about it. And the SRAM Rival has that inbuilt power meter in the spindle. So these builds here that are coming in under six grand come with a power meter that's accurate, most importantly, electronic shifting, carbon wheels that are fairly deep. I don't know. You could nitpick in, are they really good? But they're 45 mil carbon wheels. They'll be pretty good. Yep. Race tires, GP5000s. And the price here, 5000 268 Aussie for either the Sculptura or the Reacto. And I'm looking at this package going, there's not really anything it's not doing. It's got everything. It's got a separate uh, handlebar and stem, which is good because that's probably something you might want to play around with as a new bike. But to be getting... So what did it retail for? It retailed for 6.2. And what's what's the discount now? It's 5.2. So you okay. get, it's a 1,000 off. Yep. So it's around that 20% mark. Yep. And it's, I just, I, I looked at this and I went, wow, like I have been saying that the prices of things are getting more expensive, but what SRAM are doing with this rival group set, I, with the power meter as, as well, because remember a power meter, if you're buying a different bike, oh, you oh, do I have to change the crank set and the spindle and get a different bottom bracket? Or, Take okay, that yeah. off, then you can sell that and then you won't bother. Yeah, but you never, you never no. sell it because no one yeah. wants it. Yeah. Crank up with your crank length, so then you're going pedal power meter. 
oh, okay, one one sided, okay, two sided's pad another grand. Then I got to change my cleats. Ugh, this is just like, holy shit. I don't know if this is worldwide. I'm going to have a bit more of a look as, as we sort of go through it, but. The the one from me is just like you said. I think the common the commonality here is that rival group set. Yeah. Like if you go onto the Specialized Australia website, that they've got a Tarmac SL7 comp, and it's running the same gearing that you just went through. The rival ETAP axis, so power meter, carbon wheels, etc., carbon bar stem. Actually, no, not carbon bar stem. Take that back. And um, but. Again, you are coming down almost $1,000 down to $6,500. So that, you know, in US dollars, that's down to around sort of four, that kind of area. And the commonality there is that group set. Because like you said, that seems to be where the bang for your buck is occurring. Mm. I don't know. The OEM pricing for that power meter must be nothing. Nothing. That's, I've never seen, to be honest, I've never really looked at, these I never really looked into it, and then I was looking at these bikes. All these rival spec bikes are really good value. I mean, that SL7 is still the Merida slaps the SL7 there because it's come, it's it's less than a thousand dollars. You're saving more than a thousand dollars, and you're getting carbon wheels. That that tarmac comes with those just bog standard alloy DT Swiss wheels. That may, that so either the what would you pick here? You got I think I sent you the links. Would you pick the Scultura or would you pick the Reacto? Same price, same spec. Uh. I am a Reacto person. I don't know. I'm on this massive aero bike. <laughs> you are. Such a, I yeah. just can't get off it, actually, yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Um, I would go the Reacto. Yourself? I'd go the Reacto because I think it looks cooler. Yeah. But I think the Sculpture would probably ride better. Probably, yeah, if you did a blind test, I think most people would pick the Sculpture in terms of how it rides. If you went, if you, you went, you stuck people on 99 bikes with a six thousand dollar voucher, they're going to pick a Reacto. Shopping, shopping, shopping. Okay, I'm a I'm a Shimano fanboy. Not interested in in SRAM. All right. Yeah. So what else is out there? I had a look um, at an online Australian retailer, Cache here, are doing a giant TCR Advanced Pro One disc. Yep. Running DI two one o five. So just quickly run that through. You're getting the electronic gearing. You're getting carbon wheels. Obviously, the the solid TCR frame that goes the whole way up th- through the range. Really good spec bike. You're getting a five six hundred dollar discount on it, so it's just above five thousand Australian at the moment. So what's that? That's going to be about a sort of well eight percent ish discount on on that particular price. I re- and I reckon that's a really good bargain, but it sort of backs up our point, doesn't it? A little bit about the power meter. Can't com- it can't compete with that that rival group set because you're paying basically the same price for a giant as you are for a Merida, but you don't get a power meter. Yep. That's the thing with the giants come up now, and I, I always look at the wheels and going, "Hey, there's there's only tubeless SLR one." Because you've changed. I'm really worried about you. Why? What's wrong? Putting you're gone. No, sorry, not tubeless. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Not tubeless. Hookless. Oh, hookless. Do the do those wheels where you can only run them hookless. Yeah, so they're hookless. Those giant. And anytime I look at the giants now, they're ruined for me because I go, oh, they're the hookless, and then I'm gonna have to find new tires and run them at 50 psi. But besides that, I mean, what's their sale there? So save 400. Okay, interesting. But yeah, I mean, you can't Shimano aren't gonna be able to compete with that with with that price. Um, if you're looking for yeah. a power meter, I mean, if, ultimately, yeah. if you are looking for a power meter, they, they really can't compete with that. Obviously at some point you've got to go put pedals on that. So potentially you can go down that route for it, but as just a complete build, you're right. It just, it just doesn't compete. The problem for some of the other brands with this 15 sort of 20% discount, it looks like that we're getting from some brands is the usually value oriented brands that now aren't matching the sales like your giants like your canyons can't compete now. Yeah. So if we look at if we go to Canyon for example, Canyon has their SRAM rival bike. Now it does have better wheels. It does the Air Road comes with these really nice deep DT Swiss wheels, but it's seven thousand four hundred. Yeah. So okay. it's two thousand dollars more for that. Um, and same thing with the Ultimate that doesn't have those got it's got lighter wheels on it. Again, five thousand seven hundred um, for the Canyon Ultimate. That's a bit closer. 
Um, so that's not too bad. And then the even the Giant, for example, so the Giant TCI that has the SRAM rival and carbon wheels, it's $7,000 yeah. retail on the Aussie Giant Bikes website. Yeah, okay. So how are they going to compete with a, a Merida doing 15 off? It's, it's, it's just... Oh, that's a nice color too, though. The gold to black. Mm. Oh, the, yeah. See, then I'm looking at the. Oh, yeah. That's a ugly. The, the one with uh, the one with rivals just a gray. That's a really nice one. That might sway me actually, just for the paint. <laughs> Is that what they do? I think you so. just put the nicer paint jobs yeah. on the more expensive ones, basically. <laughs> well, look, Canyon. That's literally what Canyon do. That is yeah. year in year out. And yeah, if you buy the Canyon, so the Canyon Aeroad with with SRAM rival is that ugly bright red to bright blue it's just it, i can't it's like messing with my eyes looking at it on the screen because they're just weird colors couple of deals about the place did you have a look at the poll that i put up can we just quickly quickly reference that yeah i asked i asked everyone okay <laughs> the world's most cryptic freaking poll anyone else get this <laughs> Uh, in my defense, the reason that it's formatted like that is because I initially wrote <laughs> one bike, then I had the second option as one to three bikes, and then three to five and five plus. And then I was about to post it. And I'm like, oh, but there could be someone out there with two bikes and they really want to identify that they've got two bikes. <laughs> so I put two bikes in and kept it. And then you've like... Uh, I, I called you and I was like... Are you seeing any of these? Like, what? You're like, what? Oh, no. What do you mean? Like, okay, one bike, two bikes, one to three bikes, which covers the two that were before it. Totally different person. four to five and five yeah. plus. So we've got two redu two redundant categories in there. Uh, but if we assume one to three bikes means actually three, then a third of the people that responded to that poll have three bikes, which I, th I think is probably accurate. Personally, I have three. I've got gravel bike, road bike, and a crappy commuter thing, flat bar that's probably covered in rust in the car park. How many do you have? It was, well, at the moment, only two. Okay. Disgracefully. Hopefully, hopefully it's a, it's a, it's been, there's been moments where I probably had five, but then there was a really bizarre period with the team, so that's not really relevant. But what was one thing I would like to mention on that poll was I posted that at a time that was kind of Australian- and American-ish sort of specific or when it first went up. And one to three took a massive lead, massive lead, like went up to almost 40% in the first couple of hours. Woke up the next day, so essentially gave Europe a chance to have a look and two bikes has made a substantial comeback. So as we record this now, it's 25% two bikes and 33% one to three bikes. Hmm. So it did, did make a comeback, a, a comeback. And even if you look at the comments, you can kind of tell that Europe seems to be a little bit more about the one to two bikes than the rest of us. Hmm. It was just a broad generalization, but I certainly did notice that as the, as the day went on. But it's just, there's almost the same number of people have five or more bikes than have one bike. Yeah. That's a lot of bikes, people. Yeah. What are you good? That's insane. All right. But see, a lot of those, a lot of those people with five bikes, and if you if you read the comments, that the people with five bikes have just kept their bikes; they don't sell them. Oh, and so I I kind of really like that. It's like, and I wish I had done that. There's some bikes in my back catalogue mm. which I'd love to still have. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I love how people are super proud of it as well. They were like, "I've got Regan seventeen, you know, let's go." So I don't know. I think coming away from that. Ultimately, everyone's obviously very, very different. Ah, but there's one comment I wanted to highlight, and I reckon it sums up where my sort of position on it was, which was um, went from just a mountain bike and a gravel bike to four bikes recently. Tried to run the gravel bike as a do-it-all, but realized it was too much of a compromise. Now I have an aero bike and a CX bike to cover all the disciplines, and I race. So I, I kind of feel like he covers essentially me, mm -hmm. except for the mountain bikey bit, but yeah. Yeah. All right. I think we've talked enough about all-in-one mm. bikes. What do you reckon? Yep. Let's go. Let's get, uh, we're, we all want SRAM Rival now. Yep. Done. All right, guys. If you spotted any bargains, SRAM Rival, is that where it is at? Shimano 105 versus SRAM Rival? Your thoughts? So, Froomey's, Froomey's Vlogs. I don't know why I did that. Froomey's Vlogs. Have you watched any of them? 
Yeah, I've watched quite a few of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. You watched any of the recent ones? None of the recent ones. All right, I've watched you... ones all for, from all, all his, when he was on Israel. Yeah. Is he still on Israel? Yeah, still... Oh my gosh. Well, last year when he was on there, I watched I watched a lot of them last year. Yes. <laughs> Cycling analyst right here, Jesse Coyle. Um, okay, so the most recent one, he's at a... Well, to my defense, he hasn't done anything for the three years. So anyway, carry on. You don't, you don't need to be a cycling YouTuber and do things. Um, so he's been, he, he did one of those like documenting the last month of his life, right? Which was a bit of racing, uh, a bit of training, a bit of roomy chat, all the rest of it. And one of the sections is he's at an altitude camp, right? They're up there and he's walking through essentially the buffet that evening and he walks past, he makes this comment. Oh, I'm no, uh, not, not a lot of riding for me tomorrow. It's a travel day. No carbs for me today. Throwaway line, right? Throwaway line. And I'm thinking of all the things that you happened to you in the last month, that's the bit, because it's not a long video. It's like seven, eight minutes. Mm. Like, that's the bit that you choose to include. <laughs> I reckon he's trolling us at this point. There is like, what? Oh. Are we still doing this? Mm. Have you, I mean, he's got a history with this, right? It does. He had, there was a similar thing he did a f- last year where he did that six hour training ride with efforts at the start. And then in the last hour, he said, I'm just going, to, we're just going down to water. We're going to totally deplete everything. And then he did that really steep climb at the end. Um, so similar things like that. And I just, you look at that. And then you look at how he's racing, which isn't that good. And I go, are you trolling? Is that trolling? There's no reason to do a training ride and then eat carbs for the main part of the training ride and then just switch to water and run yourself into the ground. It just makes no sense. But I don't know, was he doing, is this maybe training he was doing five or six years ago and had better recovery through various means and now he's trying to do the same thing and it's, not working or I mean, is he trolling? He could very well I be trolling because I look at, as a coach, I look at that six hour training ride, finish on water and just deplete yourself. It's not achieving anything. It's totally crushing your recovery. It doesn't make, there are pros that will do some sort of, they will do, you can argue back and forth, but they will do faster training rides and stuff, but it's not at the end of a ride after you've done efforts. You're just totally, it makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense to do that. And the fact that he puts it on video, I do think could be, could be trolling. He's been doing this, like you said, he did that one, he did that famous one during the tour where he posts, he never, that's the other yeah. thing, it's not like he shares it. I remember this. He just shares this little photo yeah. of an avocado <laughs> and a boiled egg yeah. on the recovery day of the Tour de France. Yeah. Like, oh, chill day for me today or something yeah. like that. And I and that blew up the internet. It did, yeah. In fact, I almost think it started this whole bastard training low-carb bullshit in the first place. And we've we've spent almost the last decade getting over us, and I see I'd almost forgotten. This is why I bring this up because I almost forgot that that was a mindset that people had. The whole full low carb stuff. I honestly thought we'd just we'd got over it at this point. But yeah, but it's the thing he doesn't. Even when he did that post, he doesn't post anything else food related, and then he just pops up with this thing, and it's like mm. ri- like. It's true. You, you got a good point. It's like, why this? What's the what's the go here? What's the go here? Exactly. <laughs> One other thing on YouTube that I've noticed, I feel like there's almost like a U, a YouTube bike or brands that are on YouTube that seem bigger than they are in real life. <laughs> does that make sense to you? It does. Like it does. And I, I probably just a nature of the people that I follow and that sort of stuff. But there's a reason that they seem to pop up in my feed. So, for example, for me, like. A bike like or a brand like Factor seem to be plastered all over YouTube for me, but in real life, that's not the case. Really? Mm. Are you riding in a different city? There's, I see Factors all the maybe because I'm looking for them, but I see Factors all the time. No, no it's just I don't know. It's, it's it's definitely it was it was the YouTube bike back in the day because you've got what got Phil Guyman, um, Dylan Johnson. Quite a few of them, isn't there? Yep, yep. I'm sure there's more. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you reckon brands, even even if it works for sales, do you reckon they're brands that go, oh, 
we don't want to just be a YouTube bike. Yeah. Like a marketing person at whatever. So if you look at what's a new sort of up and coming YouTuber bike would be BMC with with Cam Nichols, Tristan. You're kind of like, oh, they, they're a bit of a YouTube bike now. Do you reckon they're a marketing people that go, actually, yeah. we don't want to be yeah. just a just a this, this bike. bike that people ride on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, how else are you going to sell a... Yeah. I Unless you go well to it. People got to ride your bike. But you, 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 I could understand people going, ah, oh, actually, we don't really want that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. cool. Which, eh, I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of why I brought it up because I wasn't sure whether that was something that a brand wanted. But to me, that was the factor. Yeah. That was like... Oh, you're on a factor. Well, you said oh, to me. This guy, fucking YouTuber. Like, oh, the YouTuber on a factor. You said to me when I got the factor, you're like, oh, such a YouTube bike. <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> and now I totally see it. Like, for me, a bike like a giant, a giant is everywhere in my life. Or a Savello S5 is yeah. everywhere in my life. But it's not really on YouTube, which I kind of find interesting. Mm. I don't know. Maybe they're sell, I don't know, I don't know, different strategies and all the rest of it. But yeah, I kind of I kind of thought that was that was interesting. More, it, it, maybe it's also more because there's certain bikes that just do well on YouTube. For some reason, if you put a factor in a thumbnail, people want to people want it. If you put a Ridley in a thumbnail, no one gives a shit. We, I don't, uh, we've noticed that as well. Like you can put a certain model of brand between us in the thumbnail, and it gets better clicks. It's just a fact. Like <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Um, is a canyon? A so we should test that. We should put a BMC in this thumbnail, okay? Because I, I'm going to say BMC is the new up and coming YouTuber bike, right? That's the which, title. Which, if we then say it spreads to, that then gets clicks on YouTube because the YouTubers ride it. It kind of eats itself. Mm -hmm. If we then put in the thumbnail, the video should do well. Okay, that's the theory. Right. Let us know down below. Rank the top five YouTube bikes because that's because we're both in australia so we need someone in the u.s like what's the u.s youtuber bike maybe it's an s-works i think it's a canyon canyon yeah oh canyon that's it yeah okay and then what's the european or uk youtuber bike i don't know great question yeah because it yeah. would change depending on what sort of mix of uh channels are getting pushed to your homepage. yep definitely i had someone message me the other day so oh, you should check out this new in this new youtuber he's called the cycling tattooist <laughs> come on come on come on try and keep up people try and keep up well you think on the thumbnail right yeah. so the most obvious one so far since we've been recording would be to put a marita with rival in the thumbnail mm -hmm. but no one's going to click it because no one it's not a youtuber bike yeah good point good point but maybe it is in asia because on oompa loompa yes he does his videos with the maritas do quite well so maybe in asia marita is is hotter hotter item or is the up and coming Chinese brand, actually the YouTuber brand, like just generic Windspace, yep. Yolio, whatever it might be as, as the thumbnail, is that the, I kind of feel that's the, or that, is that a different, that's mm. not a frothy one, is it? Yeah, yeah. that's a different, yeah, there's definitely a, that's almost a separate yep. side of things. Yeah. Okay. It's a separate community. Mm. Indeed. Actually, that'd be an interesting poll. You might have a look at that. What's that? You're, are you considering your next bike to be a up-and-coming brand? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll list them out. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, let us know down below, guys. Top five YouTube brands that you see in your space. I promise we were going to talk about this before Joe put that picture of his bike up, but I want to talk a little bit about potentially the most, well, they weren't around for very long. Mm. But and most people won't know who we're talking most about. Most people won't know who we're talking about. But there was a pro-continental team, 2017-2018, an Irish-based team called Aqua Blue Pro Cycling Team. What, why, why do we want to talk about them, Jesse? What, what were they doing? Because of the thing? gear we want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we want to talk about Because them. of the gear. You want to talk about them because of the kit? Yep. I want to talk about them because of the gear, which was, you look back at it now... And you're looking at this going, this was so far ahead of its time. Yep. And it got trashed on it in the moment. It got trashed on. So what, what were they riding? Okay, they were riding the 3T Strata, I think it's called. Or is that is that right? Yeah. The, so the 3T Strata, which is basically a disc brake, wide tire clearance aero bike, but from, what, six years ago now. Yep. And it looks like a Scott Foil Cervelo S5 kind of hybrid bike. 
Um, so Frameset was updated and they were running one by. Mm -hmm. So they ran one by SRAM with a mountain bike rear derailleur on the back, mechanical yep. shifting. And that was it. They raced on that the entire season. And it wasn't, that's why it was controversial because they didn't uh, run it for some races like you see um, Yumbo Visma doing now. They ran this the entire season. And you look at that now and it's pretty frothy. And you go, that's really smart. That's really good. But back in the day, it was a, they were a laughing stock. I race against them in Herald Sun Tour in like 27, 2018. And yeah, the, these guys rocked up on these one by bikes and you're just, what are you doing? But, but that, it's ahead of its time. It's totally ahead of its time. And you look at that frame, the shapes on that frame, it's, it's a real pity that wireless wasn't a thing at that moment because it was actually running a mechanical group set. Yep. If you have a look at it. I mm -hmm. mean, that's ultimately what's probably the downfall of this because the bends that that poor cable was having to do around the bottom bracket, you just have a look at the then the bend into the um, the uh, chain stays. It was obviously going to cause all kinds of problems, which is a massive pity because, yeah, it it just... All right, so the, the reason... That bike looks so cool. It looks absolutely cool. It's like the, the blue gloss finish. And pair that with, I have to admit, was one of my favorite kits at the time, navy blue kit with like a, a gold goldy leafed color it was really understated and it was probably understated for a reason because they didn't unfortunately have many sponsors so they didn't have to plaster lots of different things around it but it was really nice branding and everything kind of matched just nicely and they're only around for two years mm. they got totally stitched up and so they they didn't get a um some really good results but they didn't get any uh, Grand Tour um, invites until the welter of the year that they were dying. Uh -huh. So basically, it was it was kind of going to go out by that stage anyway. But I don't know. I I just I look back at that and went, man, yeah, ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. Like at the time, going one by and all that kind of stuff, taking a big risk. Like I just can't see that. What's the next big risk for a pro cycling team to take equipment wise? Mm. Do you think like we've, we've had the, the jump to disc brakes, the jump to electronic gears. I, I, I wonder what that next sort of leap is. Mm. I suppose there's really only one team that's kind of dabbled a bit with one by semi successfully recently. So that's probably the, the, the next leap maybe for, for some seems to take, but I don't know. I kind of think like, what's the next jump that someone might take? There will be something. Mm. No, without a doubt, there will be something. I can't really think of anything that's, is there anything in the road bike space well, the only that thing... we see that they're not, the pros don't touch? Not really. The only thing potentially is that classified hub type solution that is a good one as good one. a yeah as a route that they might risk i think mean, i mean i think um victor campanart's risked it at come some of those um spring classics yeah potentially that's the next risk i don't know yeah yeah that would be if the if a team decided to run that that'd be that'd be massive uh but i can't yeah no i i, I can't even think of anything what would we don't have anything that interesting no. let us know guys what do you think Who's, uh, what's the next big risk in pro cycling equipment? We've seen one by, what's next? Did you see, did you watch the Shane Miller review of the new update to the Sigma head unit? Sigma Rocks 12.1 Evo. I did. How is a company spending money paying developers to work on that? No one's going to buy it. Uh, Sigma. Can we do some research on Sigma? <laughs> what uh, they they do have a it's like any of these little brands, they do have like a loyal group of followers because the Sigma was one of those the original bike computer like it and the Cat's Eye ones were like the original ones you know the, the with the magnet on your wheel yep like Sigma were one of the like they're like the Nokia really of mobile phones mm. essentially mm -hmm. so they're still kind of ticking away with stuff. But as far as why you would choose that over anything else, I don't really know. Yeah. 
Like, because in the world of head units, you're either with the Garmin or Wahoo. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the hobbyist who's probably looking at a hammerhead or something. Anything else in the hammerhead range? Not really. It's pretty much the only other one that's doing something different. Or you're just going budget. So I'm going to get a Brighton or a iGPS thing and pay next to nothing. This is just really strange. And <laughs> Shane, his video, he didn't pull any punches in the summary. He basically said, it still doesn't work that well. And even if they fix the things that weren't working, it'd be three years behind everyone else. I mean, not a glowing review. Comes back to my point. They looked at it and went, shit, we don't have to do much. Like, yeah, I mean. It was a great, it was a great Shane Miller video too. So you watched it and because he, he, his reviews, he hasn't had anything like this for a while that I've been really like full review. Because as we said a couple of weeks ago, that hasn't been that much coming on for the last couple of years in the tech space. But this was great. He's digging into, he's downloading the fit files and then digging into the fit files to see like what fields they're reporting, which most people are never going to care about. But his reviews are really, really good. So that was a really, I had a little bit of nostalgia watching that last <laughs> night. I was like, this is a really good old school Shane Miller review. What's your, what's your favorite Shane Miller review of all time? <laughs> there you go. I remember he did one on... Um, uh, obviously the power meter stuff's pretty good. And he did one on the power meter that I was testing, the P-Box one, the FSA one. And it was similar. He he obviously went through all the details of it, showed some of the discrepancies in it, but then like started detailing the correspondence that he was having with FSA at the time <laughs> about like, you know, and he's like showing this stuff of, you know, oh, this offset's not right, this offset's not right, et cetera. And it was kind of one of these ones he came away from it going, right, I think I know all there is to have ever known about an, this this foul meter. Yeah. Um, are you a DC rainmaker or a Shane Miller? Like, if if something's released, <laughs> this is gold. Yeah, I know exactly where, what you're going to ask. Yeah. Where do you? Who do you click on first? Or are they? Yeah, go on. I will almost always watch both. But that's not my question. Who will you watch first? Probably, I don't know. I don't know, actually. But I'll, I'll, well, well, who do you watch first? I'll watch click? DC first. You watch DC DC, first? DC stuff is more YouTuber-y. Like, it's, yeah. it's more like, the seven things you need to know about this. Here they are. It's newer. It's bigger. It's bolder. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And then I'll go to Shane and... It's, uh, I get the more sort of maybe toned down. Okay. I've had this for six months. Here's the, is the data processing here. It is, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You, so you know why I don't really like watching the Rainmaker ones? Every video about three or four minutes in, he does this bit where he cuts away and he says, by the way, if you've been liking or enjoying the entertaining, uh, sorry, what is it? It's if you've been enjoying this video or find it entertaining, please consider clicking the like button, blah, blah, blah. Okay, back to the video. And so the, for the first five minutes of the video, I'm watching, waiting for this video to, to pop up <laughs> that I can't actually focus on what he's saying because I'm waiting for this bit to pop up where he asks for me to like the video so I can skip through it. And it ruins the whole video for me. So I now that I think about it, I probably prefer Shane's. Um, but they generally cover... DC will do more of the stuff that... Uh, Shane won't cover more of the health yes. devices that I don't think Shane Miller touches. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's funny. Yeah, usually when there's a new release, it's like the embargo lifts and bang, they both got a video up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You, the, the audience is definitely slightly different. Like case in point, DC Rainmaker was invited to the WWDC conference. You know, he's in that, I suppose, consumer electronic space. Whereas Shane is far more niche. He is definitely in the cycling space. I would argue potentially mostly, most of his following would be the indoor cycling space rather than rather than anything else. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, by the way, out of interest, Shane Miller was an absolute weapon on the bike. Like when I first started riding a bit of Masters stuff, yeah, he was setting like national records, time trialing. Like, and actually, he did a blog. That's how that's how his website started. He was doing a blog of his results. A B-log. A B-log. <laughs> written B-log. <laughs> and uh, I followed it and read much of it, actually. Nice. Never raced against him, but absolute weapon. Well, we're going to get plenty from him coming soon because Eurobike's on. I'm pretty sure they're all headed there. So we're going to get some good walkthrough 
that's another see that's a great youtube video i like walking through Eurobike, just taking us through day one day two i'm i'm keen as love it i reckon Eurobike's gone i think it's it's become an e-bike scenario at this oh stage. no Def i definitely feel that's where Eurobike's headed mm -hmm. unfortunately um sign me up for the bloody shanghai bike show definitely taipei bike show for sure, sure. Um, yeah, I just got a feeling we're going to go e-bike centric or e-bike e heavy, I suppose, in, in Europe. Mm -hmm. Let us know down below, guys. Shane or DC, who's your <laughs> tech? Who's your first click? So you know you're both going to go. And DC hasn't replied to me yet, unfortunately. Mm. Not holding out or anything. Been out riding a bit recently and I've noticed a horrendous trend. Not necessarily cyclists, but I want to I ask you about it. What's going on with shirts off runners? Shirts off runners who, this doesn't seem to be temperature related when it comes to what the outside temperature is, but it's, it's just about getting the lid off, letting it all hang out and just flopping down the street, no matter what. It's like all bets are suddenly off when it comes to runners. Have you seen this? Are we, are we entering a new phase of, of lids off? Like what's I haven't been looking for it. I'm all it's for it. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with the lid off? I don't know. I, I get personally, I've got no issues with it on a hot day. I just get, I don't know what it is. I get personally affronted by someone not dressing to the conditions. Mm. It bugs me. And it, it gets me thinking, is there something, maybe it's, maybe it's this, maybe I suddenly start to think to myself, is there something wrong with me? Like I look, I do this on the bike as well. If I see someone dressed completely over the top or under the top, I, my initial thought is, what's going on here? Like, have I done something wrong here? Do I not know about where I'm headed today? Well, have you ever ridden without a t shirt on? Have you, you've seen people do that when it gets hot and they take the, take the jersey off and kind of stuff it in the, in the nicks. Have you ever rocked briefly, it? Very briefly, very briefly. Okay. Yeah, maybe out around Wiseman's Ferry once or twice. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's not, a, it's not a great look for anyone involved. <laughs> Tour Down Under, maybe a few years ago, I think. Yeah. Might be some pictures around. You haven't, you haven't spotted this this No, I have. Too? Well, the thing why I see now is going into winter is the people that just refuse to run any sort of warmer and they're just Jersey and Knicks all year round. I, 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 and I'm out there with a, walking around with a puffer jacket on and there's people, and I can tell they're cold. They've got to be cold because it's it's eight degrees. You have, it's cold. And they refuse, maybe generally it's the people that are a bit newer into the sport, I feel. Maybe they don't understand what warmers are and that you can wear arm warmers with your jersey it's and you a, can wear a base layer yeah it, it, that is a, a a it's a bizarre piece of clothing when you think about it mm. like a sock for your arm essentially <laughs> it's like i can totally see why well, what am i doing with this yes i do i too get it you would never think to buy it too if you were, let's say you would just got into road cycling and you've been riding for a few months it's getting cold okay i need to stay warm well you'd probably buy a jacket but then you, they're pretty expensive. You're not going to think to type in arm sock for winter. <laughs> That's not going to be a thing. So I can see people just giving up on the whole thing and I'll, I'll just freeze my tits off because it's too hard. Well, I'm so glad you brought Kit up, Jesse. Do you want to talk about Kit? What a great <laughs> oh, idea. What a great right. segue. Oh, hang on. I've got lots of notes on that. Brilliant. Um, all right. Here's well played. My, yeah, Let's go. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I'll, I'll attempt to keep this. No, I won't attempt to keep this brief. Okay. Here's my first take. It's a, it's a quote-unquote hot take. Gilets are dead. Gilets are dead. I've, Why did you have to say hot take? Now I understand. You've already lost All it. Right. Um, gilets formed the basis of my spring, autumn, sometimes even winter gear. It was, it was a staple. Yeah. All right. And you, 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 sometimes you would build around the gilet. So, okay, what color is the gilet? So armors need to match that. And then the jersey needs to match, the sleeves of the jersey need to match the gilet so you don't have like a black gilet with yellow sleeves popping out. Here's my take. Yep. The jacket has progressed so far that the gilet is now redundant. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, yes, our conditions insert many other conditions that the, the gilet is suited to. But hear me out for a moment, okay? The downside for me of the gilet is 
When you sweat in a gilet, yes, it's easy to take off, whatever. But when you sweat and you're riding in a gilet, it's almost like a plasticky sweat. It's like a sweat that, how do I describe this? Like you're wearing a plastic bag or something. There's there's a lack of breathability in the gilet because it's a wind-stopping type thing that I, I it makes you feel uncomfortable. I mm. don't like it. Mm-hmm. I, I also hate the way it looks because it always cuts whatever, unless you're fully streamlined with your gear, so it's like full black and you can't see the seam. I hate the bit just here where mm-hmm. it, the colorway looks, it just looks like, like again, if you walked into a, a, a shopping department or something with this, they're like, oh, that guy's wearing his singlet on the outside <laughs> of his shirt. Like what a weirdo. And then, okay, couple this with the fact, the, the classic the classic build of a, of a spring routine would be an arm warmer, with a jersey, with a gilet, right? So much going on there. You've got you've got to nail that colour to that colour to that colour. Otherwise, you've got this weird tricolour flag thing happening mm-hmm. through here and you just look like a sort of Lego man that's been pieced together un- unappropriately. So I feel like, and in the same time, the jacket has got so good and so well, um, it's so breathable now. And there's so many different varieties of it that you don't need it. Couple that with a really good base layer. And the gilet, my friends, is dead. Plus, it the only time the gilet looks good is when you're literally not wearing it and it's flapping. Mm. That's the best look of the gilet. Mm-hmm. When you're wearing it, it looks rubbish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I, I agree. I think a gilet still has its place, especially if you're doing a long ride changing... Maybe you're starting off cruising and you got to do some efforts at the end. And then if you put a jacket on, then you're, it's so hard to regulate the temp. So longer ride, maybe efforts in the back end gilet is clutch. But you got to have... That's when bar bag helps too. So you can stuff it in there. But besides that, I'm all for... You, you do need it in the wardrobe. It will play a role. But my point is it is a staple for those shoulder seasons. I think that day is that day is dead. Back Back yourself with a good... I reckon you can back yourself with a good jacket. The only thing is, the problem here, okay. The problem is, you've got probably four different thickness temperature regulator jackets that you can choose at any one time. Most people, if they're buying a jacket, I'm buying a winter jacket. And that's only going to cover one range of temperatures. So, in all the other ranges where you're wearing your slightly lighter version of your long sleeve jersey, that's not even a jacket. Then you've got your jacket. Then you've got your jacket if it's slightly raining for the for the waterproofing, right? <laughs> Most people have a winter jacket. They'll run if it's cold. And if it's anything other than that, they're running the gilet. <laughs> so, yeah. It's if a good you, challenge. It's, yeah. That's a good challenge. I... <laughs> I might have missed I might have missed the window for it, but I would almost like to challenge myself now because I think I've got one jacket that I think will do it. What is it? What one? The infinite one. I reckon I okay. reckon it covers eighty percent. Right. Okay. I'm gonna try it. Gonna try I thought it you were gonna say because the one I've got is the winter no, winter jacket. Heavy. It's it's so hot. Or I've got the pro team long sleeve jersey, which is good down to about for me, down to about 15, 16, anything below that is too cold. No. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I reckon that Infinite Ones, that's, and most of the brands are doing that now, that kind of, like, it's a lighter gabber, I suppose, mm-hmm. would be how I would okay. describe it. All right. Yeah, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. Have you ever heard of winter bib shorts? Bib, you know, not bib tights. No. So, okay, let me, let me explain the winter, winter bib, bib shorts. short. So, it's like a... It is an insulated, so it's like the deep winter tights. So insulated, essentially like a wetsuity type type thing, but it's a short. Okay. Yeah. Initial initial thoughts. Do you see why would you want that with and then have your knees uncovered? So I thought that was the perfect piece of kit for Sydney. Have you already bought it? Uh, I I've I will now show you pictures of me riding in it. Okay. Okay. So it kind of does exactly what it says on the packet in the sense that it keeps your like upper bum and all the bits that it's covering really warm. Okay. 
But ultimately, the other parts are still exposed to the conditions and they kind of get cold anyway. So it's a weird one where like the use case for it, potentially maybe in wet conditions, I don't know, like maybe even racing could play a better role mm -hmm. because it's something that's, you know, a little bit more insulated. I don't know, but I don't know. I've never been, I can't remember being on a ride and feeling, oh, my glutes are cold or my upper thighs are cold. Yeah. Strange one. Yeah. And I'm curious to see when this video goes up to see the photos because what's that going to look like? It's really strange. Oh, it looks all right. It looks okay. all right. Okay, my, my last little one was wool arm warmers with it with any kind of jersey. Yeah. Do you know where I'm going with this? I Because we had wool arm warmers or I bought them or something like in, 20, in 2020, I think. Yeah. And um, they really, they don't well, they gel. Work. Yeah. They work really well. Like as far as keeping your arms warm, they're really light, easy to store, all the rest of it. But the problem is like when you actually are wearing them and they pair with the Lycra, it really does look like you've just pulled an old pair of your granny's socks up yeah. over your arms and they're fuzzy and then like the snot shows up and well, maybe that's just me. But yeah, it's it's a very challenging kind of look to get right. Definitely. Unfortunately. Really specific small use case kit. Is there anything you have used you love or is it all just too small use case and don't bother? Bye. So I had a question during the week, <laughs> fired at me. All right. Moving from overseas, very keen cyclist, um, is able to work remotely when he moves out here. Which city would he move to? Not, okay. He, he said for riding. Okay. For riding. Mm-hmm. Yep. My answer is it's not as simple as that, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Have you got a take on this? It's, you... it's not as simple as it's not. Very, as simple. What What type of riding? Yeah. Okay. Are you racing? Are you? Would you want to ride your gravel bike? You know. So hear me out. Here's here's where I here's where I have it at the moment. Okay. So for pure just riding, I just love riding. <laughs> Everything else is kind of irrelevant. Like I don't know the size of the city and the, yeah, whatever. Canberra and Adelaide, to me, are your riding cities, mm. okay? Now, both of those have downsides. Like, what else do you like doing? <laughs> if all you, you like, like doing, doing is riding your bike and do some mountain biking, Canberra's great. If you like to do anything else, you probably don't want to live in Canberra. Throw into them. I mean, I could probably live in Canberra. Yeah. I like Canberra, but I don't do anything. Whereas other people maybe have lives. But also Adelaide has a wetter winter than we do. And Canberra has a fucking freezing yep. winter. So yep. that, that plays a role. Okay. Next up, Melbourne. Ooh. Okay. Now, Melbourne, I would choose for like cycling culture. Like if you yeah. really want to get into the sport, you immediately go on like a Instagram bunch ride with all the Instagrammers. Yeah. Lee Turner, shout. Um, yeah, like that's the place for you. You're you're basically, yeah, it's it's a massive part of that city. It's very accepted. It's an easier city to ride around from a commuting perspective. Does that, have I made yeah. people happy? Yeah. Especially if that? you're into the like the fashion the side of things, definitely. Because you could argue Canberra and Adelaide as well have that riding culture, but not in the same cool w way that Melbourne does it, definitely. I've never ridden in Perth, but I hear it has very good bike paths. Okay. Yep. <laughs> That's all I have to offer. People in Perth, let me know otherwise. The climbing's not very good in Perth. You have to go quite far out of the city to get to climb. So if you really like climbing, Perth's not your go. Bunch, there's quite a lot of clubs and bunches in Perth and just decent sort of, yeah, cruising around bike paths. Not a desti cycling destination. I'd really struggle to give Perth a tick from a cycling box. I think it's getting beaten pretty much every, in any category by many of the other states. But it's pretty well-rounded. Yeah, I see. If you had to like give a score based on how it ticks, averaged across every category, it's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, Mad it's a solid. It's yeah, a weather's solid. pretty good in Perth too. Yeah. yeah, Brisbane is your pick for weather. Like, there's no two ways about that. Like the the fact that you're basically riding in jersey and bibs all throughout 
winter. Yes, it does get hot, but it's manageable from a riding at certain times of the day type thing. As um, it's high up for me for racing, I do feel between a lot of the clubs, the access to the Queensland Road Series, it's high up there. It doesn't have okay. It has Mount Coover, which is a and this is the kind of thing where it's a. How easy is it to just go on a on a bunch ride or an easy sort of two hour type ride where you'll see other cyclists that's easy to get to from the city? Mount Coother is kind of that, but it's actually really hard. Like it's a tough climb. I just don't see Brisbane because if you're going to Brisbane and not and you don't need to be in the CBD because you're working remote, you're moving surely going sunny coast mm. or gold coast. And you're getting much better riding, easier into the hinterland, off the coast where you got long climbs, and the beaches are better. Brisbane's to me, Brisbane's a hard sell unless you need to be in the city to do anything specific. You go to the sunny coast. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And as and as a for me, like as a cycling place to go to, that would be like that sort of sunny coast area would be high up my list mm-hmm. for sure. Um, which brings us here. Sydney, I think gets a bad rap personally, Mm -hmm. Um, but a couple of things, it's, I I do think we have a good enough culture in in the sense that we have good clubs. Mm -hmm. Clubs are very welcoming. That's definitely a thing. It's not the kind of place you can just suddenly jump on a bike and ride. I'm like, oh, isn't this fun? No, you'll end up on the Anzac Bridge (laughs) being run over by a semi-D. That's not, that's not great. I do think. The racing's pretty good. Like, it's pretty acceptable. It's very... The other thing is you can ride to all the races you want to do. That way, you're kind of getting into the scene into the scene that way. And I rate our weather. I think our weather is, when it's not La Nina, is bloody good. Yeah, like, our weather is incredible, especially if you work... If you work remote, chances are you also have flexible working conditions, which means you... you chances you're going to be able to ride lunchtime or afternoon, which means if you don't have to ride in the morning... You pretty much don't have winter because the the lowest minimum temp average we get, even in the coldest winter months, is still high teens, 16 to 18, if you're riding in the warmest part of the day. So if you've got that work flexibility, Sydney's weather is really good. Yeah. Really, really good. Uh, and we do have Centennial Park, and I know we shit on it a lot, but of all the other cities, nowhere has that. And it's it, for, for me, fills so many roles. Like... Nothing's better, I think, than just riding in there and just seeing some people you know. Like that's kind of, and even if people you don't know, you're just there with other cyclists. Yes, yeah. Even if it's just common waving and you're not having to stress about cars. Yeah, you're going around and around in circles, but I don't know. I, I don't kind of mind that. So ultimately, what would you choose? You you do have to be relatively central to the the CBD ish. Mm-hmm. So I'm not letting you go up the sunny coast. Mm-hmm. you got any, what would you do? Mm, I would say I would, I wouldn't pick Melbourne. The weather's no, no good. I wouldn't pick Brisbane. I don't actually think the riding's that good in Brisbane. I like Sydney, but for, if you're, if you want to enjoy the city, like if you, especially if you come from, maybe if you come from the UK in a small town, and you want to live like in a city and we, the harbor's beautiful. If you actually want for living, Sydney could be good. But more for riding, this is obviously a riding chat, it would probably be Canberra or Adelaide. They're a toss-up for me, coin toss between those two. They've definitely individually got their own strengths. I kind of agree. I think live in Adelaide or Canberra and save the money on rent and buy an extra bike. Yeah. Basically. And then fly to Sydney every couple of months and go for a ride. Yeah. I, I do think that it's... It's, yeah, the expense, the living expense is probably something we should have thrown in there as well. And that sort of gets blown away in Sydney and Melbourne for sure. Um, yeah. So I'm really interested in um, other people's thoughts, especially in the US and in Europe, like in terms of the pros and cons of different cities. I don't think there is a perfect city. What's the pros and cons of your city? Let us know down below. Oh, we didn't We, we didn't include Darwin. That's a city. We didn't. Never, have you been up north? <laughs> I've never been to Darwin. I have no. ridden in Cairns. That was all right. Weather's great, but there's not a lot of options. That's mm. that's the problem. You, you're pretty limited to the rides that you do. I mean, Dylan, when we were up there, it was you had a couple of like good out and backs, but that's kind of it. Um, and you do miss that. I, I you do miss a 
not necessarily a racing scene, but like a competitive mm. scene. Things like the chop matter. Yeah, they re- yeah That's they do. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've heard in Adelaide that they're potentially going to lose the chop. So which is, is their like, like pace line. Oh, the one that port. goes out on the port. Yeah. See, that's the other thing about the trot. Ours is in the evening. Mm. In Canberra, most of the bunch rides are in the morning. They're like 5.30 a.m. I'm never going to do them. I don't want to get up that early. So if I went to, that's the other thing. If I went to Canberra and I wanted to do their Wednesday thing that I've done before, it's so early. I'm probably not going to do it because it's. I don't want to get up that early. So Al really liked that Sydney, most of the stuff riding-wise happens in the afternoon. The club club rides are morning, but everything else is afternoon. Even in winter, like we do that in the pitch black. <laughs> like it's, and it's, it's, mark my words, it's safer. It's actually safer. Because um, yeah, it's just a quieter park. Yeah, massively rate that. I don't know, to Queensland, do you have a, do you have a common? Yeah, um, they've got the, well, they've got the one on Sunny Coast. The one that Cam Nichols does and, and um, that Caleb joined. Oh, the, that, that thing the they do. champs. Yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah. So they definitely got something. The Queenslanders again, they all roll out at like 3 a.m. You ever notice that you look yeah. at their rides? It's just yeah. like, what are you doing? What? Yeah. It, they are, that's a morning one. I coach a, a guy that does that and it's morning. Yeah. It's the, um, yeah. He does one on Thursday mornings. Yeah. I don't know. What, yeah. Now let's get the Alviso set up. Yeah. Lunch one. That's, <laughs> that to me, that's the. Centennial Park, 12 p.m. 12 p.m. That's right. Get them in. Yeah. How good would that be? Um. You know, there'd probably be like a hundred people that show up because it's even, everyone. Not, but not, everyone's on the Strava. No one private. works anymore. <laughs> everyone's on Strava private. No one can set up. Yeah. Anyway, back to doing a bit of training, and Dan threw in a session that he called the Coil Thirty Second Session. Right. <laughs> I don't know how it's suddenly my name. It's got Sprint Interval Training. There's like a hundred different research papers on it. It was fucking horrible. Right. Horrible. Yeah. And to the point that. Like if, if, if he puts that in my calendar again, I will actively, of, I'll do the thing on t- today's plan where I'll move it around because <laughs> I'm just, I'm like, I'm scarred. I'm like, right? <laughs> that means you did it correctly, and by the way. Is, but that's more, that's my point. That's where I want to go with this, right? Because there are other sessions that he'll put in that are hard sessions mm-hmm. and I almost look forward to doing them because it's like you get this, the sense of, I don't know what it is, the sense of achievement. I feel like. The numbers that I do are good relative to me and I come away from it like, oh, that was good. And then there's a session like that, which I'm like, I never want to do that again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like surely, do you see that as a coach? Like, cause like for me as an athlete, well, athlete, but you know what I mean? Like I fall into this trap I, of I like, I do, I do the sessions that I like doing mm. and I avoid the sessions that I so. The time also the thing with that is the timing's got to be right for it, and you you got to okay we're going in you're going to do this session, you're only going to do it for the next month let's say, and there's got to be some reason for doing it which is probably you're going to have some sort of event coming up or race or something so it's got to be timed right because yeah why would you want to go and do that session when you're three months out and you got nothing on, is it's, it's going to be a hard sell. It's, and that is where I am. Okay, right. Yeah, well, yeah, we, we're tr- we're trying this thing. Yeah, like yeah, a bit yeah, of this high intensity stuff. Well, so then, okay, you don't have an event on, but maybe you've got. So you're trying to get back to fitness, so maybe you've got some physiological target. Have you te- done? Have you done like a thirty second max? Are you going to sort of test mm-hmm. this, and then you've got yep. that as a goalpost? Okay, so then, you've the motivation will be there from that as a training target. Um, but that's just the nature of a training session that has been designed around do six maximal 30 second efforts there's only so many <laughs> it's hard to do six maximal 30 second efforts it's so hard that i only did five <laughs> oh did you yeah. oh wait to be so fair he put five to six on my thing yeah five geez that's a weird one to do five to six it's yeah. just like yeah. i was always going to take that yeah the, the unders on that but like i suppose the reason i brought that up is like so that was yeah hard came away from it not like does that does that mean like it's almost like did i get more from that because i was like out of my comfort zone does that does that make sense uh, like uh, uh the only thing about that session in particular is this is not it's not a range people don't really do that intensity of training it's really guys on the track will do it but generally People will do 30-second max efforts if they're on a ride with their mates and sprint up a hill, but not with 
like around three minutes recovery and then repeat it six times. Yeah. Or people will do threshold efforts, which they're kind of used to doing. So it really hits this, and there's a reason why you don't do it because it's very difficult and that really hard middle ground where it's really intense and the rest isn't that long. But I mean, you're done within like 25 minutes, yeah. I think. Yeah. Which is another reason I don't like it. Because it's just like you're done, you're totally stuffed, and you're like, oh, and you can't do anything after. Case. You can't do anything after. You yeah. kind of just got to crawl home. Mm. If you're trying to tack on two hours after it, mm. you're not going to have much fun. No. Thanks so much for watching, guys. Please do make sure to share this on with your mates, like this video. And only 44% of you watching this actually subscribe. So please <laughs> go ahead and subscribe to the channel. It'll help us out long term. All right, we'll see you next week, JC. See you next week. See you now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.